You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland. The Spirit connects you to the future. It's meant to build your hope. Why was the Holy Spirit given to you? Well, for one reason, to make sure you keep longing for eternity. If you are a believer in Christ, rest assured that because you have the Spirit of God now inside of you, you have God's guarantee. It was not for any purpose at all that He put the Spirit in there, but for that purpose, that He would guarantee you. Just like He put a rainbow in the sky and said, I'll never flood the world again. He put the Spirit inside of you and said, you're going to get everything I promised. Remember that one time when God destroyed humanity with a flood, except for Noah and his family in a boat full of animals? Do you remember the rainbow God sent as a reminder of his promise that it would never happen again? In today's message, Pastor Tom teaches us about the sign of the Holy Spirit and the promise it assures us of. The Holy Spirit living inside of you is the sign of the promise that you'll spend eternity with God. If you've put your faith in Christ, then your eternity is sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's Pastor Tom in the book of Acts chapter 2 as he continues his message, Empowered with Power from on High. What does a person look like if they're full of the Spirit? Well, if you notice verses 19 and 20 as it goes on, and we don't have time to talk all about this. Verse 19, it says, filled with the Spirit, doing what? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father. That's what it looks like to be full of the Holy Spirit. You ever been down to Annapolis on a warmer day? You see the sailboats down there, it's so pretty. You'll notice the sailboats don't move too fast if their sails aren't up. You ever notice that? Funny thing. But then when they hoist the sail up, the wind catches them, and then they start to smoothly go across the water. A lot of Christians are like sailboats that have not hoisted up their sails. You're trying to live the Christian life puttering along with a little electric battery back there. God, the Holy Spirit, wants to fill your sails and move you along and do something with your life and produce love and fruit in your life, but you haven't hoisted up the sails because you're stubborn and you don't want to live God's way. How beautiful it is to catch the wind of God and see what God does in your life, a journey of a lifetime. That is the work of the filling of the Spirit. Now we move on to the second work, hopefully a little faster. The second work of the Spirit is the indwelling of the Spirit. This is no lesser work of the Spirit. The indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now this is not mentioned, let's go back to Acts 2 for a second. You'll notice this is not actually mentioned in Acts 2. It doesn't say and they were all indwelt by the Holy Spirit. It says they were all filled. It implies though that they're indwelt with the Spirit. Now that you come back to Acts 2, let's go a little further back and go to John. And we'll see that even Jesus predicted that when the Holy Spirit came, he would indwell the believers. I want you to turn back to the Gospel of John, chapter 14 and verse 17. And he's talking about the role of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in verse 16, this is John 14, verses 16 and 17. He says, this is the upper room discourse. He's talking to the disciples and he says, I will ask the Father and the Father will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. Notice the permanence. Verse 17, and then verse 17 adds to this. That is, who is he talking about? The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him, you know the spirit, because he abides with you 
and will be, future tense, will be in you. Please notice those two prepositions. They're different and they're meant to be different. The Holy Spirit, you old covenant believers, you're disciples of mine, you pre-Pentecost believers, the Holy Spirit is with you and you know him, but he's not yet inside of you. He will be inside of you. That is the blessing of the new covenant. That is what you and I have as post-Pentecost believers. Jesus predicted it. Those two prepositions have a world of theology in them. They indicate the difference between pre- and post-Pentecost. Para, with, means actually alongside. We get our word parallel from that. Para, right alongside. The Spirit has been here with you. You, You're related to Him. You know Him. You have a relationship with Him. But you haven't yet entered into the new covenant relationship because that's coming future tense. That's going to be in or in you, inside of you, you see. In the Old Testament dispensation, the Spirit of Jesus was there. He dwelt alongside believers. Sometimes He came upon them to empower them for service. But as we learn, the new covenant's a better covenant. It replaces the old covenant. By the way, side note, I don't know why so many people are trying to live under the old covenant. Because you have the Seventh-day Adventists and everybody else trying to still live under the old covenant. We've been given a better covenant. And even sometimes Christians that say they're under the new covenant don't get it. It's a radically new and more powerful thing. Agreement, arrangement, it's a dispensation, that means an economy, a way things are arranged and dwelt with, the way God is doing things now. And you combine that with verse 16, he's not only in the inside, but he's with us forever, permanent. Permanent indwelling, we call it. Permanent indwelling of the Spirit of God. This truth goes hand in hand with the baptism of the Spirit. Baptism comes, indwelling comes. We are not always full of the Holy Spirit, but we are always baptized by the Holy Spirit, a one-time thing. And we are always, even when you sin, even when you act like a miserable creature, even when you do that, He still remains in you, not because of your own righteousness, but because you're clothed with the righteousness of Christ. In fact, Romans 8 9 says, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't even belong to him. Some of you don't know that you have the Spirit of Christ inside of you. You don't sense the work of the Spirit of Christ inside of you. You don't even have assurance that that's probably because you don't even belong to Him yet. You haven't really repented and said, Christ, I want you to be my Lord. You have no experience with the Spirit of God. You only have experience with Bible outside of you and church outside of you, but not on the inside. All Christians have the Spirit. Unfortunately, a lot of church people these days are not true believers. And that's why they don't change. And that's why they never gain assurance. Once you give up your life, once you reject your life. Remember what Christ said, if you want to be my disciple, pick up your cross and what? Follow. You reject your life. Once you put your full trust in Christ alone, you are born again by the Spirit of God. And more than born again, the new nature, even the Old Testament saints got a new nature. Now you have something more. You're clothed with Christ and you're indwelt with the Spirit of God forever. That's our dispensation. That's our economy. That's better. 1 John 4, 13, by this we know that we remain in Christ and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? That was not said in the Old Testament. Whom you have from God. The indwelling completes our relationship with him. We are put in him through the baptism with the Spirit, and he is put in us through the indwelling of the Spirit. 
1 Corinthians 12, 13, it said, after the, talking about the baptism of the Spirit, it said, we were all made to drink of one Spirit. He's on the inside. We're drinking Him. And when He's on the inside, the thing about Him is He's dynamic. He now becomes that well inside of us, right? Millard Erickson in his Christian theology writes, Jesus had been a teacher and a leader, but his influence was that of external word and example. The Spirit, however, is able to affect one more intensely because dwelling within, he can get to the very center of one's thinking and emotions. Remember what Jesus said? It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I go away, I will send the Spirit of Christ to you. You cannot help but be moved by the fact that God decided in this dispensation, in this era, to put the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the living God, actually inside of your body. You can't but be moved by that. Again, flashing back to the upper room discourse where Jesus was talking about this, this intimacy. By the way, that's kind of the theme of the, the whole upper room discourse in John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 is intimacy, his ongoing relationship with his disciples whom he wants to bring to glory and show his glory. Jesus answered and said to the disciples, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Isn't that wonderful? We're going to make our living place right there with him. And he's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, bringing the father and son. This is Trinity truth that's beyond us. When the spirit of God comes, he can't come without the father and the son. So he brings the whole package. God in us. Amazing. In an article in the Introduction to Biblical Counseling, by the way, this has everything to do with counseling, if you're into counseling. John MacArthur writes this, Thus, Christianity involves a supernatural relationship with the Trinity. The Spirit indwells the believer, kindling righteous desires and holy affections, pouring out the love of God in our hearts. The believer thus loves Christ and strives to obey Him. Moreover, both the Father and the Son pledge their love to believers, and Christ continually manifests himself in that love. The believer, then, is the beneficiary of a loving relationship involving Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, end quote. Personally, that is very humbling. I know sometimes you want to know, how do I apply this? It's very simple. Be humble. God has chosen to dwell in your tiny little body. Weak and wobbly as I feel sometimes. A temple of the Holy Spirit. By the way, that's not only humbling, that's encouraging. God's presence with me, in me, forever, never to change. But what if I... No, he won't leave. But, but what if I... No, he won't, he won't leave. See, Satan says, ah! He doesn't love you like that. And the word of God says, I'll never, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. It's also challenging to me. You have to keep your body free from sexual immorality. You are not your own. People say, but it's my body. I can do with it whatever I want. Christian, it's not your body. It's done, bought, and paid for. 1 Corinthians 6, right? You are not your own. Is that unclear? I love when the Bible is very direct like that. You are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Sorry, you're slaves. This is a slavery you're going to like. This is slavery to righteousness. This is slavery where our 
king and owner does everything, everything to bless us. Maybe you can think of your life as a house. This might help you. There was a little booklet written on this concept years ago that helped a number of people. The Holy Spirit is in your house, your body. He dwells inside of you, but unfortunately, you only let him stay in the family room. You know, the presentable room where you cleaned up and dusted, you know. He's like, just stay in there as a guest. But the Holy Spirit wants to see what's going on in the rest of the house. He wants to go in the kitchen, see what you're cooking. He wants to go in the garage, see what project you're working on. You know, he wants to go on the front porch and see what it's like when you're really relaxed. He wants to go into the bedroom, find out what's going on there too. He wants full reign of all of your house. You need to let him. You need to open up. He'll teach you. You are a temple of the living God because of the indwelling ministry of the Spirit. All right. Third ministry is the sealing of the Holy Spirit. I want you to turn now to Ephesians. And again, this doesn't mention this in Acts 2, but we know from the epistles that all of this happened right on the day of Pentecost. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, it talks about the sealing of the Holy Spirit. The sealing of the Holy Spirit. In verses 13 and 14 of Ephesians 1, it says this, In Him, that's in Christ, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were, here it is, sealed in Christ with the Holy Spirit of promise. See, the Holy Spirit of promise is the seal. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14. Who, talking about the Holy Spirit, is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. What does all of that mean? It means this. When you listen to the gospel and you believed, you were immediately sealed with the Holy Spirit. What's that? That actually the sealing of the Holy Spirit really is the indwelling. The coming of the Holy Spirit inside of you isn't just to have you excited that he's there, but is to make you a promise, make you a guarantee, make you, if you would, a down payment that you have a future inheritance that's so fabulously rich, you're going to get it one day, you don't have it all now, you can't even see it all now, you can't even imagine it all now, but you're going to get it, and how do you know you're going to get it? And the answer is that God has given you the first installment, God has given you the down payment, God has given you the guarantee of a future inheritance, and that guarantee is the Holy Spirit in your life. Isn't that wonderful? It's wonderful. He is the Arabone, the guarantee, a legal term, actually, and a commercial term. You pay a part of the purchase in advance, and it secures a legal claim to the article in question. That's how they use it in Greek society. It obligates the party to finish making the payments. God has obligated himself to bring you the full inheritance. And please notice that is for all believers. According to 1 Peter 1, 4, our full inheritance is reserved in heaven for us and it's invisible and we have no idea how great it is. When I try to figure out how great it is, I go back to the words of Paul in Romans 8. I think about Paul. What did Paul have to endure as a Christian? Okay, how many times was he shipwrecked again? How many times was he beaten? How many times was he imprisoned? How many times did they make fun of him? How many times? And then he looks at that whole thing kind of a distance and he says, ah, the sufferings of this present day 
They're not even worthy to be compared with the glory that we're going to get. So how did Paul know? Because he had the advantage of being caught up. And he said in 2 Corinthians, I don't know whether it was in my body or outside of my body. And he said that twice. I don't know whether I was in my body or outside my body. Evidently, it doesn't matter. He said, I was caught up to the third heaven. Which is that? It's not the sky where the birdies fly. It's not the stars. It's beyond that. It's the other realm. He was caught into it. And what did he see? He said, I saw things I'm not allowed to describe and talk about. But at this point, he says, I'll tell you this, though. Whatever you're suffering now, it's a little pee compared to what you're going to get. It's nothing. And I sit there, and I'm starting to get excited. And I'm like, oh, that is going to be so good. What is it? I don't know. It's just going to be good. And so we say, it's going to be glory. And we say glory because we can't do any better. But that's what we're supposed to do. John Walvert in his book on the Holy Spirit said, the presence of the Spirit not only brings all assurance of God's constant care and ministry in this life, but the unfailing purpose of God to fulfill all his promises to us. You see, studying pneumatology, the doctrine of the Spirit, connects you to the future. It's meant to build your hope. Why was the Holy Spirit given to you? Well, for one reason, to make sure you keep longing for eternity. If you are a believer in Christ, rest assured that because you have the Spirit of God now inside of you, you have God's guarantee. It was not for any purpose at all that he put a Spirit in there, but for that purpose, that he would guarantee you. Just like he put a rainbow in the sky and said, I'll never flood the world again. He put the Spirit inside of you and said, you're going to get everything I promised you. Right there in your own heart. Once you're saved, you're stamped with the mark of God's ownership, and there is no affidavit or sworn statement anywhere in this world that is more guaranteed than that. That's why we get exhortations like Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. What security? I never have to worry, did I commit the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? No. There's such promises. Romans 8, 11, another one. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. If the spirit of the one that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is also inside of you, he'll take care of raising your body from the dead as well. That's the future. That's our promise. And lastly, and very briefly, the fourth ministry of the Holy Spirit in this dispensation, post-Pentecost believers, is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, particularly in relation to sanctification, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I want you to turn to Galatians. I know we didn't spend hardly any time in Acts. I know that, but because we're spelling out what happened, because you don't know all that happened by just reading Acts. You have to read the epistles. Go to chapter 5 in Galatians and verse 16. Galatians five sixteen again, another wonderful verse to memorize and take to heart and dissect it and think about it. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. How do I combat the desire of the flesh? Answer, not with your spirit, but with the Holy Spirit. Your spirit will fail. Your will will succumb. The Spirit of God will change you 
The Spirit of God will work inside of you and make you able to look at the sin and say, I don't like it anymore. I don't like it anymore. What a wonderful promise this is. I remember I had a friend in college who struggled with lust and pornography. And one day he said he was going into the ministry, and I said to him, I said, well, what happened with all that struggle? Are you sure you're ready to go into the ministry and all of that? I said, what happened with all of that? And he said, well, through the years I just learned to hate my sin. I just learned to hate it. He wasn't saying that he would never be tempted again. He was saying predominantly when I get the opportunity to do that, I just think about how much trouble and turmoil it causes. I just think about how disgusting it is, how dishonorable it is. And I just realize it's just not who I want to be. And he changed, and you can change too. You can change. If there's any psychologist that calls themselves Christian and they say, well, you're going to be stuck with that problem your whole life, please come right here. Just come right here. Who are you going to believe? Walk by the Spirit and you will predominantly fail to the desire of the flesh. That's how they read it. This is a promise of the power of sanctification in the life of a believer. Are you discouraged because you keep repeating the same sin? Walk by the Spirit and you will learn not to carry out the desire of the flesh. You say, well, that must mean I'm not walking by the Spirit very often. Now you got it. Now you got it. <laughs> Thus, a four-part series on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but I say the same to myself. Fool, what are you doing? You've been given all of this, and you don't take advantage of it. You know what a walk is. Walk is a walk along the beach. Grab someone's hand. In this case, the Holy Spirit, and you start walking. Can't fly. Can't jump. Just go walking. Step by step by step. How do I walk with the Holy Spirit? Step by step. You don't sit there and envision how you're going to be 20 years from now. You start exactly where you are right now. You start walking with the Spirit right where you are. What's the next step? And then what's the step after that? Then what's the step after that? And you have to determine to keep walking. You can't go five paces and then stop and say, well, the walk is over. Because you're not going to get very far. There are too many people, they start holding the hand of the Spirit on the pathway, and then they see something far over there. Look at the lovely flowers. And they let go of the Spirit, and they go wandering off the pathway. And they veer to the left, and they veer to the right, and the Holy Spirit's like, come on back. Come on back. You're not going to get anywhere. You're going to get stuck that way. You're going to get into the swamp. There's going to be a problem. But it looks so lovely. Yes, I know, but okay, okay, you're going to learn the hard way. You're going to learn the hard way. And He lets you learn, just like a child that keeps wandering away, skimming their knee. Come on back. This terrain's too tough for you. You need to hold my hand. Walk and step with the Spirit every day. You say, that sounds like i got to be thinking about God all the time. I haven't figured out any other way to do it. Some churches, they want to zap you quickly. You don't need all the hard work. Just come up front. we got the Holy Spirit going to be poured out. Power. Going to fill up. It'll last you a few months. Come back in a few months. We'll get to fill you up again. It's going to be Power. That appeals to our pride. That's simple. Put the credit card in. Doesn't work. It fills you up with pride, the spirit of the world, not the spirit of Jesus that's humble. Have you ever um, had a great morning devotion and then the rest of the day went lousy? Have you ever had a good message on Sunday? You get home and you feel carnal all over again. You have no desire. Have you ever started to serve the Lord in the church? You're all excited about it. A couple of months later, you're like, this is a bummer. No one helps. God is not after your mornings. God is not after your little area of service. 
God is not after your Sunday mornings. God is after your mind every single moment that you live. And you will never be full of the Spirit and walk in the power of the Spirit and experience the sanctification of the Spirit until you start cooperating with the Holy Spirit inside of you. Amen? Father, we would pray that you forgive us for grieving and quenching your Spirit, that you would indeed fill us as we're obedient to your Word, that you'll help each one of us this week experience more of your Spirit, quit making excuses and do the right thing. Guard us from Satan, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, we've learned so much in this series about the Holy Spirit and His work in the life of believers. Pastor Tom has really helped us to understand not only that the Holy Spirit lives inside us, but what that means for us. It brings us so much hope in knowing that the Holy Spirit seals our eternal destiny and empowers us to live our lives for Christ today. What a privilege it is to live in this time where the Holy Spirit indwells us. We're so glad you joined us today on Discover Hope. We'd like to meet you. So if you're in the area, come visit us at Hope Bible Church. Our Sunday mornings include Bible classes at 9.30 a.m., followed by a worship service at 11 a.m. You can find out more at hopebible.org or give us a call at 443-200-HOPE. That's 443-200-HOPE. We'd also like to invite you to join us in bringing the kingdom of God and the joy of salvation to our listeners by becoming a financial partner of Discover Hope. Find out more under the Giving tab at hopebible.org. At that Feast of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit first came down on the church, one of the signs we read about is that they spoke in other tongues. Speaking in tongues is one of those things that you may have questions about. What was it like? Why did it happen? And what purpose did it serve? Join us next time as Pastor Tom answers these questions about this gift of tongues that we observe in the scriptures. There's much more to learn from the book of Acts, so we hope you'll tune in next time. If you'd like to listen again to today's teaching or share it with friends and family, you'll find it online at hopebible.org. Thanks for joining us on Discover Hope.